It was time for a showdown. Before the fifth game, the Lakers' great sixth man, Michael Cooper, was honored as the 1987 NBA Defensive Player of the Year, a remarkable achievement because it's usually an honor held for starting players. Part of Coop's success comes from a tireless work ethic, but you can find a bigger reason by simply pointing into the stands. Yeah, by the code, die by the code. That motherfucking Larry Bird jersey out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Are you serious? Extremely, hey, we're, extremely unprofessional move. We, by my we are from New England. We are from New England, but I don't care where you from? They ain't won no championship. We got seventeen out here. How many of y'all got back there? No, no, right. you got twelve actually. Are you crazy? <laughs> All right. Well, this is off to a terrific start. Thank you, uh, thank you, Sophie. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Bad. You better be recording. Because I only go one time, man. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're good. Um, no, we'll, we'll get right into it. I want to respect your time. Um, I know I know. Soapy sent you a, a thing today for about half an hour. Is that still cool? I actually thought Soapy was a woman, to tell you the truth. I did. Most people do. <laughs> and then they're they're unpleasantly surprised when they get on the video. I'm very unpleasantly surprised. And here we are. <laughs> I, ho- I hope that's not a deal breaker for you. <laughs> Gentlemen, how are both of you guys doing? We're doing well, man. Doing well. Thank you. Thank good. you for your time. Um, Sorry, Liz. Yeah. Hopefully this took so long. It's just a lot no worries. Of no up. worries, man. I just broke his wrist uh, dunking on Friday. So other stuff. I almost canceled the day. But you know what? I'm a trooper. I'm a real Appreciate Laker. That. And I'm a champion. So that's why we, we <laughs> burrow through this. Okay. No, Fair that, enough. that's good to hear, man. How's uh, how's everything on your end? How are all your people during the uh, the pandemic and everything out there? You know, it's tough, but hey. yeah. Yeah. Don't bother me because I stay in the house anyway. So yeah. <laughs> I, I say that I said it all the time. I told my wife, I was like, dude, I've been social distancing for any opportunity I can get. Oh, <laughs> I'm you know, wife guy. not letting you go out of the house is not social distancing. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> He's coming in hot today. Jesus. Yeah. So Maybe I'm on fire. This motherfucker's on fire over here. No, I like it though. This is this is uh we're just gloves off from the from the job. So, let's start here you answered my first question which was to this day do you still hate the celtics and that sounds like a resounding yes correct very big yes capital letters yes y-e-s-s-s-s-s-s-s and you're friends with cedric maxwell well i wouldn't say we're friends (laughs) we are well the thing about it is we're tolerable now i tolerate him I don't like him. I tolerate him. If uh, I actually had a chance to see him, and it almost started a fight, mm. but luckily there was people there. My wife was there, and I was trying to conduct myself in a very professional manner. Yes. Until he said "Tragic Johnson," and then it all shit broke loose. Oh no, that's not a good move. <laughs> see, we wouldn't have tone. we wouldn't have done that. Well, you guys are scared of me. That's why he's not scared. I wouldn't of me. say that. No, I, I <laughs> would. So hope he can speak for himself. I scared the shit out of you, man. <laughs> Hey, part of the reason that I had this was because he did say that you were the toughest defender that he ever played against. So and you know what I'm gonna say this in all sincerity is that, and I I said this before he said what he said. Larry was the hardest player I've ever had to guard, mm-hmm. simply because you didn't have to guard him on the offensive end. He could do other things. He could beat you rebounding, passing mm-hmm. the basketball, diving out of bounds for a loose ball. Look how he beat Detroit. I had Isaiah. Uh, on on my podcast last week, and he said mm-hmm. the thing that gives him nightmares is him throwing that ball away to Larry Bird, and that they had a chance to win. He threw it and he flicked it over to DJ for the score. So mm-hmm. uh, Larry has always been a very very interesting and tough player for me to guard. So, but I'm, I appreciate that and respect that he said that about me. I mean, feelings were kind of mutual. 
Yeah, no, that that sounds pretty, uh, pretty, pretty common resentment around the league. But but so speaking of, you know, who you played against, who you're playing with. So obviously, you know, we're kind of getting right into the interview, but we have Michael Cooper here. Name speaks for itself. You got a handful of rings, bunch of trophies. Um, of course, you took some of those off our, our Celtics hands here and there throughout the 80s, but we're going to keep this respectable is what it That's is. That's right. We took them. That's right. Yeah. We handed nothing. <laughs> let's, talk about, um, let's talk about some of the dudes you played with on your team. So you, you had some big names, not, I mean, obviously, including yourself. Talk to us a little bit about playing with Magic. I guess it's a two-part question. Is Magic the best passer you've ever seen? If yes, who's the best since him? You know what? Uh, uh, one thing about Magic and Bird is that you can't mention one's name without the other because mm-hmm. those two gentlemen definitely re- reorganized, re-energized, redid the whole NBA when both of them entered in 1980 because they made passing the basketball fun. Because up until that point, basketball was about me, me, me. I dribble, throw it in. I got to score. I got to score. But they made being part of a team a lot, a lot of fun and very important. So, but Magic was a uh, one of a kind player. Yeah. Uh, you know, his enthusiasm for the game. And, and you know, another thing I say about those two, they were perfect for each team they went to at that particular time. Uh, I, I don't think Larry could have been with the Lakers and we would have did what we did and Magic would have bust up because it wouldn't have worked out. So, yeah. but, but Magic was a, a true uh, team player, team meaning together, everyone achieves more. And he, uh, never played with anybody. And I've been on Lake for 12 years with all those interesting teams that enjoyed mm-hmm. the game in practice. You know, a lot of guys that come to practice, just practice, just go through the motion. Magic mm-hmm. enjoyed being at practice. And I think that yeah. was impetuous with all of us. And it even got to Kareem because <laughs> Kareem was one of the biggest haters of practice and eventually started liking practice. Mm. I, I was going to say, I've seen some some like archive footage of Magic smiling here and there. He, he looked like a guy who who had fun from from time to time and it showed on the court. That's interesting about Kareem, though. So what was it like? Just just remind me, were you you were there when you were on the Lakers when Magic got drafted, correct? Well, and that's why I say to people when people ask me, how was the play with Magic? I said, fuck yeah. that. I was Magic to play with Michael Cooper. I was on the team first. Right. That's why I <laughs> That's exactly why I asked, man. I'm glad you brought that up. So what yeah, was that so like bringing was, uh, a, a kid like that in? In 79, and then yep. Magic came in 80. Okay, cool. And then obviously Kareem was there prior to that too, right? I forget yeah, Kareem, the exact time. Maul, okay. and Norm were already there. Gotcha. So so what was that like in the locker room, having a big big name out of college coming in, and he really got right out, right from right from Jump Street, was kind of not the man, but playing at an extremely high level, I think you would say. That woman you see Magic. behind me, she just came off the street and she's lost. So I, I'll get her out of the house in a minute. But yeah, at least you guys are socially distanced. <laughs> yeah, that's my wife. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, 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 Magic, uh, his joy and love for the game uh, w- um, really influenced all of us. I think uh, I had always enjoyed playing basketball, but I think for for Kareem and Norm and and um, and and the, uh, Jamal Wilkes, who had been on the team. And it was kind of like ho-hum, you know, just go and I, get, I play and I get my money and then I move on to the next season. Mm-hmm. I think that changed that all for us. I think another good thing was that when I got with the Lakers, Jerry West was the head coach. And when uh, Jerry West came in, when Dr. Buss came in, he elevated Jerry to the general manager and brought in uh, uh, another coach um, for us, um, Jack, Jack McKinney, who was, uh, uh, 
disciple of Jack Ramsey when Portland won a championship. Mm-hmm. And Coach McKinney brought in that enthusiasm for team, and he wanted to kind of build that kind of team that they had up there that won uh, with with uh, Lionel Hollins and yeah. Bill Walton and Bobby Gross, so players like that. So he kind of wanted that, and that's how he kind of formed our team. And, you know, Magic kind of like when he came in, fitted in great. And it's mm-hmm. so unfortunate that Coach McKinney had his accident mid, it was about seven games into the season where Coach Westhead came in, Paul Westhead came in and just kind of elevated and kept it going. But Magic was perfect for our yeah. team. And I think he was perfect for Kareem at that time because Kareem mm-hmm. was just Kareem. And yeah. Magic, I think, brought something out of that youthful Kareem <laughs> that was at UCLA, brought that out of him. Great call. Yeah, no, I, th- I think you nailed it. <laughs> I've never really thought about when you said – Bird was perfect for Boston and vice versa with, with Magic in L.A. Because if you flip those, I can't picture those classic things of Bird in his truck drinking Budweiser driving down Rodeo Drive yeah, <laughs> and then Magic so. walking down Causeway Street <laughs> with a mink coat. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's, that's in, in very Boston, Well, he could deal with cold weather because Magic came with a big fur coat on. Yeah, exactly. Good point. Players would have never been able to jive. Yeah. yeah. So, so my last question on, on other players around your time. We talked about when Magic came into the league. Around the mid-80s, there was this kid, Mike Jordan, out of North Carolina, who came in as well. What, what was the kind of narrative and, and talk around the league when, when that kid came in? And then we wasn't fearful of Jordan towards the end of the time, because this is like 83, 84. He came yeah. in, he had won two championships now. But you know what? I think the idea that Jordan took the game to another level, because Magic and Bird had it covered below the rim. Uh-huh. Jordan took it above the rim and his mm-hmm. athleticism and his tenacity for uh, wanting to win championships. It was actually kind of fun. Uh, mm-hmm. But you know what? He, again, was caught in, in Chicago. And mm-hmm. Chicago was struggling, kind of like we did before Magic came. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, before Magic came. And, uh, but, you know, we knew Jordan was going to be a force. But we, 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 didn't, we weren't too concerned about him because we didn't have to see him for seven games until the finals. So right. Right. <laughs> Detroit, yeah. Boston, they had to worry about him. Not your problem. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Poop, uh, kind of a difference between today's game and when you were playing. You, in game two of the 87 finals, I saw that you hit six threes um, against our Celtics, which back then, like that was, I mean, that's still a lot of threes in a game, but were you arrested for cheating or did they did they let you, you know, have a, a post-game press conference after? So, P, you know what? You're trying to be funny, but you're not, and I love it. <laughs> No, I'm, I'm on your side because I'm trying to salvage anything you can because you're you actually hate talking oh, to me. Because we did whoop y'all's ass, but anyway, uh, those three pointers that I hit the six, you gotta remember they moved that line back. That line was about five, six feet back, further than it yeah. is today's game. So those are some big time threes. But you know what? It, it all all came back to team for me because again, the Celtics didn't think I could shoot because Larry Bird used to always say, "Shoot it, shoot it." That was his defense on me. Shoot it. Shoot it. And I said, okay, well, I'll show you. So I splashed seven, six of them in his face, but I was left open. So if yeah. I didn't get those, I was going to find my ass on the bench. So I had to <laughs> and hit my shots when they were there. To be clear, there. that joke was a, a knock against, like, I don't know, the comparison of the two eras. Not, I was, that was not a Celtics I, joke. I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> I'm uh, really sorry. Loosen this up, man. We're having fun, right? That's oh, true. Man. We're having a little too much fun. So Crossing the damn line. Let's, um, let's scale it back. Question. Speaking of, again, my 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 co-host, if you want to call him that, kind of says something about the two eras. The other thing we noticed, man, you, you 
you didn't miss many games. You know, you got a lot, you lot of, got a lot of 80, 80 game seasons under your belt. How do you feel about load management? <laughs> That's kind of like a buzzword going around the NBA right now. I assume people from your generation despise it, but I'd, yeah, I'd love I to hear it right that. from you. Okay. I hate that word. I hate it. I it hate sucks, it. Right? That all came into play with Popovich. Now, mm. <laughs> and I understand what he was trying to do with that, you know, because again, it's a long NBA season. Yeah. Wear and tear on the guys, all of that. So, you know, if I don't need you this game, I sit you out. I think it's a, a injustice to the game because mm-hmm. the one thing that I was always taught is that fans make who you are and you mm-hmm. have to play for the fans. And that was one thing Pat Riley was big on. So for a player, again, that's one thing I love about our era. You came to play. And especially with oh, yeah. our team, if you didn't play, <laughs> good chance you lose your position in the rotation. So mm-hmm. I wasn't about to miss my rotation. And I was waiting for anybody, you know, like uh, we always had a joke on our team, like if Magic or somebody got hurt, we go, uh, and this was me and myself and Mike McGee, he was big on this, one of our players on our team. Mm-hmm. So um, you're not playing today? And we go, no, I'm not playing. He said, okay, I'm gonna take your spot. We <laughs> <Yeah>. said <laughs> it real That's nice, kind of sly a little yeah, bit. Yeah. So we, mm-hmm. but, but we enjoy playing and we wanted to play all the time. And like I said, I, I was a six man, but I just wanted to get out there and compete. Just compete yeah. at every moment, every second I could. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. I mean, the other thing I think as far as, obviously there's a hundred hundreds of differences between now and then. The other one more most recently is just the craziness of the NBA offseason nowadays, where some would say it's just as damn exciting as, as some stuff in the regular season with all the trades and Twitter bombs and all this stuff. It That seems different too, man. I mean, I know you spent your whole NBA career with the Lakers, uh, Magic, all the all the go-to names on the on the Celtics, same thing. Um, how, how do you feel about that kind of thing in the NBA? Do you do you, do you kind of are you pro player in the sense that get your money, go where you want to go, or do you kind of see uh, you kind of respect the guys who stay home? Not for that, Dan. I, I respect yeah. players that like I respect the hell out of Michael Jordan. I mean, yep. that guy could have jumped ship at any point in time, but you know what? He stayed with that organization. He was uh, influential in getting good key players for that team. He mm-hmm. stayed with it. You take your butt whippings, but look what happened mm-hmm. in the end for him. I mean, he, where they went six, seven championships and in mm-hmm. a small amount of time. I am. Uh, uh, I don't believe, and there there are a few, and I, and I'll mention one right now, LeBron James. I don't feel people should necessarily chase championships, but in mm-hmm. some cases, it is warranted. Like LeBron, he left Cleveland to go to Miami to learn how to win. Because you have right. to learn how to win. <clears throat> and then what does he do? He goes right back to Cleveland. I got the formula. I got see the. I got the map. Now I get it. And what does he do? He takes Cleveland to a championship. So yep. in cases like that, there are times that a player may have to do that. But mm-hmm. these guys that are jumping around trying to chase championships and follow them. And, uh, you know, I, I love this player. Uh and I'm going to mention his name, James Harden. Mm-hmm. He actually sees what's going on now. Harden leaves OKC, you know, because he wanted to form his own identity and get his own team to go to Houston. Mm-hmm. And you can't win. So you have to have the right pieces. Championships aren't bought. Championships are earned. And yeah. players have to earn their stripes to be on a team where that chemistry becomes good. And then you guys start winning. What he's about to do now is fight a request and hold out and do whatever to get to New Jersey. Mm-hmm. I almost don't mind it because they have done, and I'm not going to say they, the organization. I just think that things haven't happened to where that Houston team could flourish with him. I think the biggest thing that happened to that team was when they let, what's the big guy go? The um, 
their center last year. Who? Houston? Uh, Houston. Oh, Capella? Capella. When they yeah. let him go, that was the start of what is happening now. Yeah, but that's fair. You've know yeah. you got to have somebody to anchor. Was yeah. he the right center for them? I think so. Some people mm -hmm. think he wanted to, he needed to score more. He needed to block more shots. No, he was perfect for what you were trying to build. So mm -hmm. I don't buy players jumping around, running around for championships. You know, sometimes you get with a team and you have to go through the growing pains of losing, mm -hmm. get your butt kicked, but you kind of find a way, influence players, talk to management if you want to superstar players and you got that kind of authority and let them know what you need to make a good championship team. Yeah, that makes sense. I think it was it, it was getting out of hand. But like by the time that they let him go, everyone saw how many times PJ Tucker was starting at center from fucking six foot seven or whatever it was. Well, just, well, something did PJ Tucker win him a championship? No. Did he even finally get no? So you know what? That's a bad way. You keep that kid. You need height, and I think mm -hmm. that's why the Lakers won a championship. And I think the Lakers <clears throat> are going to do that old throwback now because Houston is the one the um, instigators of this small ball shit that they're trying to play, that ain't going to yeah. win the championship. Championship for one in the paint and with some bigs. And that's why if uh, when AD eventually signs with the Lakers, and I don't like them letting Howard get out of there, but mm. the Lakers were a big team. They're going to cause you problems. And right now in today's game, which is why Howard and AD and, and JaVale were so successful because even though they're big, they could guard multiple positions. And that's mm -hmm. what gives people problems. And the Lakers kind of lost that a little bit, but we'll see. Hmm. I, I added a, a question about LeBron. Yeah, uh, During the load management thing of last season, one of the games he showed up to on the bench with like a glass of red wine. What would have happened in the 80s if you guys had tried to pull that stunt? That shit one went down. First of all, Pat Riley <laughs> went to let him go get into the <laughs> and I mean, I, probably me, Magic, or somebody went knocked out of his hand. And hey, <laughs> so, yeah, but you know what? Good uh, answer. Yeah, go back to a little bit what you said, Dan, about the way the NBA is run. You know, social media is so big now that sure. in our era, that we didn't have that. So our focus was always about basketball during the off season. It wasn't about trying to get my social status up, my social, uh, the, the people, my followers. Followers. Yeah. Oh, we were Wild. spending time in the gym getting better, practicing on your game, spending a little bit of time with your family uh, and doing that. So yeah. uh, social media definitely has, it has hurt the NBA, but it also has helped it tremendously too. That's why these yeah. players are demanding and getting the big dollar amounts they're getting. Yeah, no, I, that's a great point. I mean, I think, um, I think it's helped grow in the game in general, if that's what you're getting at. But at the same time, it's not even, I think it's just the invention of the cell phone. Like, in the eighties, you could have a group text with, um, fuck it, Harden, KD and Kyrie saying, Hey, let's all play together. That's such a foreign like concept. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. it, it really is so player driven now that we're, we're Soapy and I were talking the other day. It's like free agency doesn't even matter. Like people forget James Harden's not a free agent, but he's almost courting himself as he is one. Like, Hey, I want to go here. Come and get me. You know, it's, it's not that easy. So I, I think the that's the thing, things but... too, which is something that's unheard of back then where uh -huh. now general managers, presidents are kind of like taking into effect. Okay. And, but the one thing I love and without cutting you off, Dan, I'm sorry. No, but, you're good. No, good. Uh, but without cutting you off is I love what Houston said. Houston said, we're ready to be uncomfortable this year because we're yeah. not just going to get these guys away. Westbrook, Harden, we're ready to be uncomfortable. If you guys mm -hmm. sit out, we're okay with going one and 71. <laughs> you know, you're okay with that and i right. think that puts the the control back on the teams as opposed to letting these players have all the control and demand trades no you can't tear an organization down like that 
Yeah. So what, what I didn't even ask you, what do you think? Do you think Harden to Brooklyn is realistic? You think that's going to happen? I think it's going to happen eventually. Really? <laughs> and keeping, keeping KD and Kyrie there too? Uh, I, don't, I, I don't think it'll work if Kyrie stays there. KD is going to mm. be KD because you can build it on him. You got to remember, Kyrie is the weak link on that whole process, and he's the one that it can be expendable. You know, yeah. again, that young man is a fantastic basketball player. Don't, mm. I'm not taking that from him, but as far as a team, and we saw that in Cleveland, we saw what happened yeah. there, and, and so saw that in Boston, exactly. So when we saw <laughs> that thing. that LeBron kind of committed to Kyrie, that's when they won the championship. But when Kyrie wasn't flexible, wasn't that's when they lost that first championship. Yeah. So LeBron was smart enough to say, okay, okay. I'm not going to win without this kid, and we can't give him away. So let me figure out how we how we can win with him. And he started letting him do his thing. Kyrie wants to yeah. score without sure. without playing defense. He wants to sure. score, and you can't do that. You have to do. You can be 60% score, but you got to give me 40% on defense. You can't be 60% and 5% on defense again. It doesn't work. Yeah. He also wants you to think that he's a leader without actually being a leader. Leading. Sure. Yeah. 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 Anything's the earth is flat, but whatever. That's for a different episode. We, we have our astrology episode towards the end of the week. Um, so you, you mentioned playing defense. Now you played a little defense back in your day. I, I, have a, I have a question. So obviously we talked about Cedric Maxwell earlier. He's been in our show. I know you guys work together. He has a, a story, a funny story about his uh, finals MVP gift. I'm sure you, you know what I'm talking about. It's like a uh, very feminine looking watch. Um, doesn't just, doesn't scream to me, you know, the excellence of the NBA finals. You won a defensive player of the year award. Um, what, what was that, that hardware like? Did they, did they give you your due of a, a fine looking women's watch as well? Or did you get something a little different? Oh, I didn't get a feminine watch and I'm going to hit you about that. But what they gave me was, uh, actually have it hanging in the other room there. It's a wooden frame picture, mm-hmm. with red felt. And a wooden wooden player drawn. I mean, really, really cheap. But you know what? It's the significance of it. It's not yeah, about the actual thing. It's about hey, I was the best defensive player this yeah. year. But what they're giving out now, oh, is, it, it doesn't hold. But but the fun part about that, and the special part about it, is the stuff they're giving out now. If I hang on to this for about another 10, 20 years and come back, somebody offered me a hundred, two hundred thousand because it's a unique plaque. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And like you know, you'll never see this again, okay? But you always right. see a hard trophy and a guy standing there, the red arm back sitting on the bench. But you won't see the type of of uh, accolades, uh, awards that they were giving us back then. So mine yeah. is kind of unique too. But I'd rather have mine than set a little feminine watch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, what about your rings? What do you do with your rings? Those. You Okay, take it. Those are uh, my kids have those. All my kids. Nice. So I have four kids, and so one. But they have those, and they have them in their own little way. Oh, that's pretty cool. Uh, I have my uh, two WNBA championship rings. Those are upstairs in a drawer somewhere. And then I have my one G League at the time, as opposed to the what is it? Yeah. No, D League. It was G League now. Now, right. yeah, it's the G <clears throat> League now. So I have that nest somewhere upstairs. Okay. So, where do you keep your championship rings? The rings these guys get now are big, giant, gaudy rings. You just pretty cool. You can <laughs> that fit on two fingers. Our ring was like a our our rings was like a um, uh, a fraternity ring. You know how you get that, or a graduation ring. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's put the thing in it. But that, they, they're special. That that's a good point. Do you guys ever get pissed? Like as you watch like the current teams every year, I swear, dude, the rings are like they don't even look like rings anymore. They're like literally like trophies, like on your wrist. 
Like, no, I, 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 me personally, I don't get upset with the way the <laughs> rings are. I don't get upset about the money that these right. guys are making now because I always look at it like this. You guys are reaping the benefits of what we laid on the ground, on the floor for you, the foundation. Right. You know, and what makes me come to thinking like that is I got to remember Jerry West, Elgin Baylor, Will mm -hmm. Jerry used to tell me story, Coop, I played his shoe contract. They paid him $5,000 for the season to wear Adidas. $5,000, man. So, yeah. and, and Jerry, they were way better than that. Greater players. But you know what? It's just a progression of where we are today. And yeah. like I tell my son, mm -hmm. he's working hard because now with us, it was million-dollar players. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm telling you, the next true players are going to be billion-dollar players. Mm -hmm. In about another Definitely. five or ten years, you'll be talking about guys making $1.6 billion dollars. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't spend that kind of money, but that's where we're heading because this game is so fantastic, so mm -hmm. spectacular, and it's worldwide now. Yep. Well said. Coop, uh, speaking of the, I guess, the progress of the game, what's what's a modern-day amenity that you see now in the NBA that you wish that you had when you were playing? Like, I know mm -hmm. I've seen, like, a, uh, a video where they toured the Celtics' new practice facility, and they had these, like, saltwater tanks that are meant for you to kind of relax and, and mm. um, recover in. So like, I don't know, what's something that you wish you had that would have extended your career? You know, the one thing that I, I wish I had, and it actually became fruition uh, probably about in like 86, 87, was charter, charter flights. <laughs> not, that'd be nice. We had to fly. You were sitting coach? <laughs> no, we didn't fly coach. Well, you had to make, if you were in that top seven rotation, you got to yeah. see the first class. But oh, the, only thing about flying, the only thing about flying coach is they reimburse you the difference. So you got that money back. But hmm. these guys now, they have it so easy because you play a game. You don't have to doodle around and stay in that city and leave the next morning. You leave that night and you're in the next city at two, three o'clock in the morning. And mm. don't understand how beneficial that is from your body because you're not really sleeping anyway. When you finish a game and you go back to your room, you probably mm. stay up till two or three in the morning, kind of like eating and thinking about the game and unwinding. And by then you go to sleep and then two hours later, it's like, hey, you got to get up, catch a bus, go to the, to the, to the airport. Mm -hmm. That's the only thing I wish that we would have had the whole time if we had chartered. I think a lot of players could have played five, six, seven more years because that that's wear and tear, man. Getting yeah. up in the morning, flying, and then get back as opposed to like leaving the arena, get on a bus, go to the airport, and you got a luxury seat. You can lay back because all I mean the soap charters are great. And then you can think about the game, watch the game. And then when you get there, then you'll be able to fall asleep and then be ready to play or go to practice the next day. Mm. Hmm. All right. Michael Cooper against commercial airfare. All right. We'll write that down. <laughs> um, <laughs> wow. Delta stock is plummeted after this thing gets released. Unbelievable. Speaking of L.A., um, what's the of things that you can that you feel comfortable sharing? What's the funniest story that you can share about? I don't know a celebrity that you saw in the crowd or anything related to like, mm. you know, just celebrities being at the games and stuff. Uh, I mean, you know what, Dr. Buss, that was his, his vision for the Los Angeles Lakers when he bought the team. He wanted yeah. to, he wanted, this is what he always used to say. He would say, you guys, I want you guys to entertain the entertainers. So you got the actors and the movie mm -hmm. stars and the musicians and all that's them. actually what we're doing with you right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay, Sophie, watch out. Anyway, uh, so he wanted us to entertain him. So it was very pleasurable to see. Oh, this is the weird thing is that Michael mm. Jackson, 
was a big fan of Magic and the Lakers, okay? Hell yeah. Michael Jackson could never come to the game as Michael Jackson. So he always used to come as an old man, and he would sit right across from our seat about four rows up. No, serious story. I, I know. I believe he it. He would dress up like an old man because he couldn't come there because he was so big. I mean, they would right, right, right. watch us if he was in there. But that was a fun <laughs> thing I always thought. And Magic, Magic always knew what he came as. So Magic go cool. See that guy sitting over there in row 10, uh, row F and seat five and four rows up? That's Michael Jackson. And it was a fun, man. He'd have on and say, you know, and he'd be with two security guards. It was actually fun. But to see Denzel Washington, Jack Nicholson, one floor of the cuckoo's nest. Remember him? Like yeah, that? Yeah. yeah. To see those guys in the stand, those, those famous people enjoying what we brought to them to give them a little pleasure for that moment was, was fun. He was like, hey, Coop, you see that guy dressed as Prince? Yeah, that's not Prince. That's actually Michael, Michael Jackson. Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> so that that's so funny. So I'm, I'm curious, is there have you ever seen footage or like, is there anything out there where like the camera caught Michael Jackson, like in disguise, like in the crowd? No, they never good. I mean, because you got to remember back in those days that we didn't have. Oh, that's true. Yeah, it's like one camera. camera. <laughs> yeah. Everywhere. Very back good point. Now. But back then, you probably had, what, four cameras and they all tuned in on the game because so nobody wanted to miss anything. Yeah, very good point. I, I'm actually a huge Michael Jackson fan, which brings me to my next question. What did you guys have – or no, what did you specifically listen to, um, I guess, warming up for the game or what, what got you ready on a game day? I was a big jazz fan. I, my, my thing was jazz. Uh, the person I kind of identified would be with Miles Davis, the late great mm-hmm. Miles Davis, the trumpeter. And Kareem was a jazz person. And I didn't know that until I got with the team. But that's if on the way to the game, I would listen to some jazz because it's kind of mellow. Because I know once I got into the arena, I was going to take the, uh, what do they call it now? Um, turn up. Yeah. Yes. Turn up when, Very I there, when I got to the <laughs> arena. So you- I didn't have to listen to all that. So you turn down first to get you ready to turn up. Yeah, turn up, exactly. <laughs> I got you. I've, I've always thought it's weird. Like, I don't know if you think the same way, but I'll watch, you'll watch guys warm up now with like huge Beats headphones and Hate it. multi-layers. It's Hate like, it. yeah. Are you trying, are you trying to emulate a real game scenario? Like, what the fuck? Like, what are we doing? Like, it just exactly. looks silly. Yeah. You go out there and shoot. Our thing was go out there and concentrate on the game. Okay, this right. is what I might get. I am not going to talk to each other. Some Nicki Minaj or some uh, <laughs> uh, uh, who my son like, uh, uh, not two chains, but what's the other guy? Come on, uh, Soapy. Who uh, I don't know, <laughs> the baby, uh, I don't know, all one in the same. Yeah, how how old is your oldest who, who listens to this music? My, my oh, my oldest son Can't is like 38, 40. My, oh, okay. my youngest son now he's 15. Yeah, yeah, chains, but what's the guy? Uh, Travis Scott. Oh, oh okay. Travis Scott. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I said, I said, man, what are you bumping? I'm listening to Travis Scott, so I asked to listen one time. This guy talking about the craziness, man. You know, how can you get fired and listen to craziness? But that's the, the new generation, and that's what they like. And, you know, it's fun to see these rappers enjoy NBA, too, because a lot yeah. of them were, would want to play. I guarantee if they had a choice mm-hmm. NBA basketball or rap, they play NBA basketball. And then vice versa, too. I yeah. bet there's dudes on the bench who will be like, you know, I'd rather just fucking rap than ride the bench in, in Memphis or in, in Orlando. For the next Listen, if you rap, you got to work hard for that money. On the NBA, Very fair. Playing, I can sit over there and make $2 million and not play the night. <laughs> I guess, but you can, also be, you can also be a one-hit wonder, have your career made, 
it's hard to have a one hit wonder game unless you're Jeremy Lin or something and ride that out. But anyway, different time. <laughs> let, let me ask you this, man, because I, I think another part of your career that's probably not as I don't know if this is fair or not, probably not as you know, well known as, you know, your your hand on the, the women's basketball as well, you know, from 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 coaching and everything. So talk, talk to us a little bit. How, how did that transition come about? You know, I know because I know you assistant coached in the NBA a little bit after your career. Correct? Yeah, I was assistant coach with NBA. Daniel Harris. Uh-huh. And uh, right about that time, like 95, 96, you know, <laughs> I was a team working with Nick Van Exel, Eddie mm. Jones, Elder Campbell, them guys. Love those teams. Cannons, man. But I mean, they were good players, but they were just really young and athletic. Mm. Uh, but uh, there was a person in our PR department, her name was Rhonda Wendell. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was wind of the WNBA coming about. And you know what? Coach Riley always coached us in a, a, a very unusual way, which I love. Attention mm-hmm. to detail. This is mm-hmm. what you do. Our walkthroughs were good. Uh, our, our playoff uh, scouting reports were some of the best. And, and I went to, I ended up going to a summer league women's game up at USC. And I got a chance to saw, that's where I first saw Lisa Leslie, Tina yep. Thompson, Yolanda Griffin, just to name a few of the great. And see, I didn't know about those ladies because that's that old saying, when you go overseas, that's out of sight, out of mind. So by the time I got a chance to see them, I got a chance to see them, like the way they played. WNBA came about and became, and uh, the late, great Orlando Woolrich was the uh, Los Angeles Sparks second coach. Well, first, their first coach was Jelly Bean Bryant, Kobe's dad. Mm. He was yeah. the first coach. The second coach was uh, Orlando Woolrich, and he brought me on as an assistant in 98, 99. Mm-hmm. And then he ended up uh, leaving and then they asked me for the job. So the thing I love about the women's game is that women truly play the game below the rim. Well, at that time they did right. until Lisa sure. had the big dunk. But <laughs> yeah. Lisa, uh, women were very, um, they are, uh, I always say three things about women, okay? One, they look better than men in their uniforms. Okay? <laughs> Two, they smell better when they come back to the huddle. Mm-hmm. And three, their attention to detail is very, very, very good. So when you're coaching, and I had my chances with the, in the NBA coaching, had the opportunity to coach Carmelo Anthony when he was at mm-hmm. Denver. Mm-hmm. These guys rely so much on their athleticism that they don't understand or they don't really pay attention to the attention to detail. So it's hard for a coach to get a good team going, you know. But for the WNBA, it was a lot better because of uh, – of uh, the women, they, they're very attentive and they wanted to learn. So coaching with the Sparks was a uh, great for me. I won two championships there with the greatest female players ever played that game and Lisa Leslie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that league has gone on. And a lot of people were saying when that league started in 98, 97, 98, that it wouldn't be around. We're here, they're going on with their 25th, 27th year in the league. Yeah. So I was just glad to be a part of that and really enjoyed my time there. Yeah, no, that's great. And then you coach in college too, right? Coaching college. college women at USC, yeah. Southern Cal, the women's team there. Uh, that was a little bit different because mm-hmm. of uh, coaching younger players. And sure. again, the women's game was a lot better than the men. And uh, <laughs> yeah. the, one I, the one thing I loved over there, and you might think this is funny, but it's not. My women players, I never had to send a, an assistant coach at six o'clock in the morning to wake them up to get them in class. Mm. <laughs> Guys, I, I coach, uh, there was a player over there, uh, Anthony Poli, was there, was coaching with the men's team. Every morning he had to get up to go to these guys' apartments, get mm-hmm. them up, and, and literally take them by hand to make their first class. And 
that to me is amazing because you, again you're taking this game for for granted and especially yeah. taking this game uh the schooling for granted so yeah i'm there so you've always been california lakers sparks trojans sparks, trojans yeah Have you ever been out of the state of california <laughs> non-business related <laughs> not to come over to our I house and rip our ass for a Denver. title uh, I coached in oh denver. yeah denver my bad uh, yeah, yeah. and then i coached uh four years uh, for the WBA <clears throat> in atlanta so oh, okay. Like that. Atlanta Ooh, was pretty good. Nice. I, I had that option. Yeah. That, but I'm just yeah. going for purple and gold, baby. I hear you. I I hear that you. stupid jersey that Paul, that Soapy got back there behind him. Unbelievable. That, that was supposed to be a tribute. Now you got to turn it against me, man. Yes, We're I having am. a good time, too. Borderline unforgivable. Done it without that jersey hanging up. But go ahead, Dan. <laughs> I, I'm gonna I'm take it from words, frankly. It's Please, my Sophie, mic go ahead. Try and salvage this goddamn thing before we get canceled. <laughs> well, I'll it for you. Listen, I want to pr- promote Showtime with Coop, insightful BS with Laker legend. And NBA. Yeah, Love it. My podcast. So get on it. Yeah, yeah. Showtime with Coop, insightful BS with my NBA friends and Laker legends. I'll even add to the plug. The last episode was with Isaiah Thomas. Oh, great one. Oh, that was really a great talk. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you, Sophie. You're okay finally. You're coming around. But I've right. had uh, uh, George Gervin. I've yep. had uh, Ooh. Rick, Rick Mahorn was a contentious one. That fucker, man. I, that, that not a fan. Guy, yeah. yeah, not a fan. I keep trying to get Bill Lambeer on, but he won't get on because he know I'm going to ring him a new one. But that's <laughs> uh, but, uh, uh, by, uh, uh, James Worthy. Kareem yep. was a very, very good one. My boy Magic's going to be on soon, sometime. Nice. Soon, week or so. I got some good people coming up. I'm trying to get Dr. J on so we can talk about yeah. the dunk when he dunked on me. Uh, mm. But what you guys don't realize. Let's talk about it. Good segue. Well, <laughs> well, we can't talk about it because then you guys have to pay me because I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I know. I know. About that Damn you. Damn capitalism. <laughs> All right, fine. Well, then kind of related to the dunk, you uh, you guys are kind of credited with with uh, the alley-oop, with the Koopa Loop. Which is a great name. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, what? Chick Hearn came up with the name. Yeah. Mm. You know, Magic was throwing like the Greg Kelser at Michigan State, so he was familiar with it already. And then mm. they kind of made it part of mine, and he threw it up. And Chick, the, the late, great Chick Hearn, he was like, uh, he goes up, it's an alley-oop. Oh, no, that's a Cooper loop. <laughs> I, I, yeah, man, it was great. I love yeah. it. <laughs> When Dr. J rocked it, no, I'm not gonna go down there. I'm not gonna do, go down there. I'm just kidding. You know uh, Let me tell you something about that. Cause my son, all my kids, but my son right now is like, Dad, why couldn't you just get the hell out the way? This is what. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you should have made a business decision. <laughs> <laughs> what happened is, 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 if you remember, that place started out on the left side of the floor, and I tried to go for a steal. Mm-hmm. So I ended up cutting back, and I was gonna go to the basket. And I promise you guys this. Mm-hmm. It didn't come to fruition, though, but I promise you. Yeah. And I've been able to get up in the air and get turned with my yeah. right hand. It would have been the greatest block of all time. Oh, hell yeah. On 100%. All time greatest block. Here's but the thing. I jumped up. He, was, he got on me so fast that I went like that, and I said, well, let me just well, – I don't want to break my left hand. <laughs> I don't want to hit my head on this backboard. Let me just get out of the way and like get out of the way. So here's the thing. I actually think that um, I, I think that dunk is a little overrated, to be honest, because it oh wasn't like you were able to, you know, square up and then go straight up against him and try to contest it that way. So you were more like dunked next to rather than dunked on. I think I think what makes that play more legendary is Chick Hearn's call of it than the actual play. 
Hey, uh, uh, Dan, he's really walking a fine line with me. But you know what? Sophie, I'm Sorry. okay with that. I'm, I'm okay, you know. Uh, thank you for kind of like at least putting it that way. I got dunked on. And I'm going to say that. <laughs> the only good thing about it is I wasn't posterized. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. And they dunk in your face. But you know what? It was a hell of a dunk because he crazy. Was. I always wished I could have dunked on somebody like that. Yes. Um, and Soapy, come on. I dunk on to, you right now. I'm 64 years old. I might hurt myself, but I dunk on you. To your, to your point before that, I'd Coop, send I've it been, back. I've been texting Soapy exactly what to say to try and salvage this. So it, it's really no appreciation to him. But hey, last thing I wanted to ask you. So you're um, secretly doing it. Okay. I got yeah. you. Last thing I wanted to ask you, hopefully this doesn't go down uh, too much of a somber road, but what was your relationship like with Kobe? Because I know you you were an assistant over in LA, right? When Kobe and Shaq were together, early 2000s, yeah, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. uh, did you have any long going relationship with Kobe and any, any takeaways from obviously the tragedy that happened earlier this year? Well, uh, first of all, I was a player that worked Kobe out when he came there, 17 years old. And mm -hmm. uh, one of the things I was supposed to do is I was supposed to make it difficult for him on pick and rolls, mm -hmm. post up. Uh, in one-on-one -on -one moves. I mean, Jerry West was giving me some instruction on what, what he wanted him to see. And the thing I said about Kobe at the age of 17, I knew after that workout that he was going to be good because there's a lot of players. And uh, one thing Jerry says, Coop, take him away from his spot. Okay. So they would go, Kobe, we want you to take four or five dribbles and get to that 17-footer. So they would put like a little mark on the ground, a tape of X on the ground. He had to get to that spot. My job was to keep him from that. <laughs> and uh, I, we were working. I mean, I, I held my own against him. But remember, I was like 40 years old now. So I was sweating up a storm and I was way past my prime. <laughs> I, would, I would love to have caught Kobe when I was 24, 25, two at the same time. He could have been 17. Then we'd have mm -hmm. had something really to say. But mm -hmm. that's neither here nor there. You would have yeah. pulled your socks up to, to play him at that point. <laughs> Oh, I did a lot of things, Sophie. I, I, hey, Kobe would have had his hands full with me. Anyway, so when we worked that, but after that workout, uh, is when everybody kind of knew uh, he was very, he was a lot stronger than he looked at yeah. 17. That was the other thing that I was really impressed by uh, down in the low post. Uh, but you know what? Kobe became and, and Jerry West has always had an innate ability to pick that player. Yeah. AC Green, James Worthy, Kobe Bryant, just to name a few. Mm -hmm. So Kobe became who he came. And you know what? My relationship with Kobe was strictly just that, just as mm -hmm. a assistant coach and seeing him anybody that's a lifelong Laker we're like family right and the day that that tragedy happened was one that just knocked the wind out of I think everybody around the world for sure uh, Kobe was such a special person it was a big influence getting ready to be another big influence on the WNBA game mm -hmm. at another level I think his daughter Gianna would have been a spectacular player mm -hmm. uh, as well as her she she you know there's a lot of coaches that sometimes we say, hey, that's the one. Well, she was the one that was going to take the WNBA. I really do believe this to another level because she had mm -hmm. that ability like her dad that she was going to put into the women's game. Uh, Diana Taurasi, one of her, her idols and stuff like that. But, you know, uh, Kobe be truly missed from the things that he's done, things that he said, and the things that he's accomplished throughout his whole lifetime and his career. And uh, we surely miss him to this day. I think he was a catalyst for the Lakers winning the 2020 championship this year. Mm. Uh, the, the, uh, the, the incentive and, and the insight that he had and talked about 
through the Mamba mentality, I think was a mm -hmm. big staple. And then the uniforms that they wore. So Kobe was just a special person all the way around, man. And sure. I think everybody misses him. And it's just, um, just yeah. so sad that that happened. But I think we it, all were better people for having known Kobe Bryant. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And there's an excuse me, interesting you talk about um, like the Laker family, because it, it's so true, because even like when we were talking with Cedric Maxwell before, you know, he's obviously been away from the game as a player for some time. He still does. He's he's announcing everything. So I think he's a little more connected to the Celtics, I'm sure, than you are the Lakers firsthand. But he talks all the time, hey, you know, shooting the shit with Jason Tatum at the practice facility or, you know, the new draft kids and the rookies coming in and stuff like that. It's more of um, the way he explained it was it's just like such a for lack of a better word, just a mutual respect between the organization and those players, even between Lakers and Celtics. Like I know, you know, we're, we're jabbing back and forth and stuff, but you know, Cedric was like, Hey, we went, I went to war with these dudes. Like, like that, that means something 20, 30 years later. And, and that's cool to hear that from someone else coming from your shoes as well. But, uh, but no, man, that was one that it, it, it obviously goes beyond fandom too. Cause like I said, we're Celtics fans. Kobe's ripped our hearts out number of times. That was one where it's just like, like Jesus Christ! Like at the time, it was like what else? But unfortunately, that was just the start. That that was in February. That feels like it was five years ago. Is how long this year's been, and like some of the some of the craziness that's been going on. But uh, but no, that that's 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 some good sentiments. Um, you know what I say about that, Dan? Is that it was hard for uh, Kobe to rip y'all's heart out because we had already done that, ripped your heart and your asshole out. So what he was taking was just the residual effects. So that would be called uh, the innards. Mm -hmm. Of the yes. self, but he sure did take a whole lot of your innards out. Yeah. Well, well said. I was trying to keep this civil, but all right. Well said. Oh, we going all the way out, man. <laughs> all right. Go ahead, um, Coop. What was get out of here? Uh, yeah, I'll wrap you up on this. What were your outside of LA? What were your favorite cities to play in as like a visiting player? And you and uh, obviously like you know off the court like whatever. No, the favorite city I loved playing in was Brooklyn. Uh, I had I loved mm. playing there so much that I actually got to know where the dead spots on the floor were. I mean, and, and I mean this all sincerely. Great, great basketball place. The fans were mm -hmm. were very knowledgeable. They respected. Yeah, they didn't like us much, but when we did good things, they you could hear people ooh ah and people behind the bench. So they respected yeah. what we did. Yeah, another good arena to play in that I liked, and a lot of people didn't like playing at this place was the Mecca in Milwaukee. Mm. Uh, when they had that it was so cold there in the winter though but it was still... <laughs> i like it because of the color remember how colorful that floor used to be yeah. oh yeah really colorful i mean sydney moncrief used to rave about that coop it's really nice i said like, it's fucking cold here man how you get warmed up for that so sounds like tampering oh yeah uh and, and the last place i liked the flat was houston in the mm. summer uh that was a real uh and, and the reason i like these places because they were real tight and intimate, the buildings and the, like the fans were on us. And it's not like these arenas now where in our place at Stapleton, we call them the Red Coats. You can't even get close to say hi to your, your players, you know, so yeah. the people that you come to see. But all those buildings were real intimate, real close. Fans were knowledgeable and it just felt like you were at home there. And the, and the uh, ambiance was nice. You could see the, the basket, that orange rim, because the crowd was closer. Than they are mm. now. Now you can hardly see the rim because the crowd's so far back. I'd be a terrible shooter now. I couldn't see my depth perception is bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing I'll say about Boston fans, they were also very highly intoxicated at all times too. <laughs> I don't know. If that, I don't well, know we've that got experience with that. Well, our wives did because they poured their what beer they didn't drink. They poured it on our wives' head at the game. But you know yeah. what? No harm. I apologize for that on, on, on behalf. 
that. My, my uh, first wife, she actually enjoyed it, and all the other wives did. <laughs> well, you can, okay. Different that? strokes for different folks, I guess. You you know, know. We got it, y'all, because how you going to spend, what is it, how, how much beer there, about $10 yeah. a cup, and you're wasting it on spending it and pouring it on our wives? We got at you. Yes. Did you, did you have any clam chowder in your numerous trips to Boston? Did you try any of the food yeah, around here? I did. And that was before they were thinking about poisoning people. So it was okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. And Kobe's food, or what was that, in Philly or one of the places y'all did? But you know what? I love the clam chowder. Yes. I'm yeah. Cool. yeah we, don't, we don't poison our opponents. We just beat them by like 39 in game six of 2008. Or, we don't or what Red them. used to do in the wintertime, he'd leave our locker room windows wide open and <laughs> Time he would close mm. them and cut the heater up 100 degrees. So, yeah, I know you mm. guys sweat us out or freeze us out. Cheating in New England? I don't believe it. I've never, never heard, heard of it. it. <laughs> All right, man. Let's um, let, let's let's let you get out of here. Before I do, though, what, what's the best place for everyone to, to keep following you on Twitter and, and everywhere else you got going on? Wherever you get your podcast from, yes. whatever uh, site you get it from. Yep. Showtime with Coop, insightful BS with my Laker friends and NBA legends. Love it, man. Thank you so much, okay? Thank you. Thank you, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, Sophie. The, the, the man, Sophie, <laughs> not the lady. <laughs> yeah, you, you got it right. We we smoothed things over once we got going. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> this was a train wreck from the beginning, sir. I apologize <laughs> Thank for you, your gentlemen. time. Thank you, gentlemen. Take care. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate Thanks, it, Michael. Cool.